Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me once again today here at the Digital Cathedral. If this is your first time with us, we want to give you a special welcome. Every week we have new people that find us and discover what we're doing here at the Digital Cathedral. And we're just part of a worldwide tsunami right now that's taking place as people awaken to everything that the Father's doing in the earth today. And it really is marvelous. He's delivered us from so many things and opened our eyes to so much truth. I wanna end up this morning, uh, we've been doing a, a little series on immortality. And I wanna end up this morning on Paul's teaching about immortality. And I want you to pay special attention to what Paul has to say. I love, what, I love Paul's teaching because he's the post-resurrection man that broke revelation and we get most of our theology from Paul today, especially in gray circles, uh, inclusion circles, those of us that see the power of the finished work of the cross, Paul's kind of our guy. So I'm going to look, I think, pretty much exclusively at Paul's writings. I think I might have one, one scripture from Jesus that we've talked about before, but I just want to inject it so that you don't forget it. So we're going to pretty much exclusively at Paul this morning. I want to start over in Romans chapter 8, and I want you to open your mind this morning. I understand that this whole, this is number five in this little series that we've been doing. I understand this, this is new ground. We're breaking new ground, and I also understand there's some mystery to this. We don't fully grasp it. We don't fully understand it because we're not practicing it. We're not demonstrating it. Anytime you're not demonstrating something, especially from Scripture, spiritual life, there is a mystery to it. There were a lot of mysteries that Paul revealed. He said there were things that had been hidden from generations, but had now been revealed to the saints. And I think that same thing is happening today. So you're going to be hearing more about this life of immortality. And let me define it again, once again, for you in this, this final teaching that I want to do, what, what I mean by immortality when I talk about it. I'm not talking about, at least from my standpoint, I'm not looking to live five or six, seven hundred years, but I am looking to live until I absolutely am satisfied with the life that I've lived and that I've completed everything that I was placed on this planet to accomplish. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, and I may, may read this scripture again, I don't know, but Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down, I have power to lay it down, power to pick it up again. That to me is immortality. It's when you determine the time that you're going to exit. Sickness and disease should not dictate and determine when you make your exit. So I'm gonna unwind some of this today from Paul's teaching. So let's begin over in Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And I want you to see that this is, this is God's plan right here for life. This is God's plan for life. Romans chapter eight, verse 11, you should know this verse by heart by now. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, think about the power of that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus was stone cold, physically dead. If that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it does, that's a good confession to make. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That's a powerful, that's a dynamite spirit. That's an explosiveness. Then the rest of the verse says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Let me just point a couple things out this morning, and I can't spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to notice that he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. That is Zoe, the God kind of life. There's no death. There's no absolutely no death in God's life. <clears throat> there's, there's no death in the Father. He doesn't know death. It has no part of him. So he takes that life and he, and he injects it, this verse says, into your mortal body. A mortal body is one that knows death. It knows, it knows it, it, it's going to come to an, an end. So when you take the Zoe of God and you plug it into that mortal body, guess what's going to take place? That, that mortality is going to be swallowed up by immortality, by the life of God. And he says, it's through the Spirit, it's through the Spirit that dwells in you. This whole series, I've tried to emphasize that this is a work of the Spirit. This is not something we can religiously perform, that we can say, I'm going to fast my way into this, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and push my way in, like you used to in charismatic days, want to push into things. You can't push into this. This is a work of the Spirit 
that rises up within us and begins to first disclose so we can embrace, then it begins to settle in, we can believe it, and then finally we can speak a creative word and begin to say that spirit that dwells in me is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it is even now quickening, giving, that word quickening is an old word, it means give life to. Even now his spirit is giving life to this body that pre previously had known decay had known death. So that's, that's, that's his plan right there. Now, one more verse, verse 13. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And I wanna say more about the redemption of our body when I get a little bit further into the teaching, but the redemption of your body is, is, a, is a powerful little phrase right there and we're gonna get into it. What I wanted you to see at the very start of the teaching this morning is that God does have a plan for you. He has a plan for you to be able to live a life to its absolute maximum fullness and that you should be able to make a determination on what source you're living from. Are you gonna live from the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead or are you gonna live from what religion seems to be stuck on, which is death. Have you ever noticed that Christianity needs death to exist? Everything is about dying, and then what happens after you die? Christianity has made death the doorway. It's made death kind of like the grand prize to the abundant life that Jesus promised to give us, like we gotta die to go to heaven. Did you ever, there's not one verse of scripture that says that God sent Jesus to the earth so that we could die and then go to heaven. Never, never, never intimates that. That's something that we have integrated in because that's the style that we have lived. Or, or religion has made death the doorway into eternal conscious torment. That's their scheme right there. So you, you, death is gonna take you one way or the other and you really don't know, and most of the backgrounds we come from, we really don't know until we stand before the Father and he either gives thumbs up or thumbs down. We're just hoping for the best, right? We're praying for the best. We, we like to confess, yeah, we, we, we believe we're saved, but when you got this death thing hanging over you, there's always a question mark. There's always uh, a wondering as to what lies on the other side. What, what would happen? What would happen? Let me expand your, your thinking this morning. What would happen if all of a sudden we shifted in our, in our consciousness to say, as Jesus did, no man, no disease can take my life from me. I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down. I have power to pick it up again. I have the power. The power lies within me because of the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in me. What would happen if we took seriously the life and the kingdom that is actually within us? Man, how we have learned so much over these last years about the kingdom that is within us. We've learned so much about what the Father is doing within the sons and the daughters as they manifest. What, what would happen if people were not threatened with hell and the unknowing of what happens after death? What would happen? What would the message of the church all of a sudden be? What would the church do and what message would it have if death was not the paramount message that it, that it, that it was teaching all the time? Everything is geared toward what happens after we die. I wonder, I wonder sometimes, at least in my background, my, my history of my personal life, I wonder sometimes if we place our faith in death as an escape from sonship and daughterhood, from maturity, from responsibility, from having uh, access into that mandate that he gave us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8, where he put us in charge of the planet. How would it, how would it affect you? If like Paul, you would say this. Here's 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 Paul's position, and I don't. I, this I think sums up Paul's attitude on this whole issue, right here in Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one, and let me just let me just read for you from verse twenty-one to twenty-four. This is this is Paul's outlook. All right, this is Paul's outlook on life and death, immortality, and I want you to to, to see the attitude of Paul here. He says in verse 21, Philippians chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sounds good. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet 
What shall I choose? What shall I choose? You hear what he said? What am I going to choose? Let me read that, that, that again. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, so here's the, here's the two options before him. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. He's going to accomplish things if he stays in the flesh and he keeps, keeps doing the work that the Father has called him to do. <clears throat> then he says, uh, what, what am I going to choose? I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two, between the two options, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Do you see what Paul's saying there? He's saying, man, I've got this choice I have to make. I can make a choice to go on and be with Christ, which is far better. He looks forward to that time. Or he said, I can stay here. He said, I think, he said, what am I going to choose? I think he chooses to stay because he ends that he ends that last verse by saying it's more needful for you that I stay. What I want you to see in that is that Paul was making a choice. If Paul made a choice, then certainly you have every right to make a choice also. So let's renew our mind to a couple of things this morning. As we're in this this last teaching, I'm I'm all I've been doing now for five weeks, plant and seed. Just plant and seed, plant and seed, and let you think about the life that you're living, the potential that you have, because this, as I view it, this is another step into our manifesting as sons and to developing as the Christ that is within us and the forming of the Christ to maturity that lies within us. So let's renew our mind to a couple things this morning. Can we do that? Let's renew our mind. Number one, that eternal life begins subjectively when you awaken to who you've always been. To who you've always been. Didn't know it. You lacked understanding. Now your eyes are opening. So now, now you're walking in to this dimension that you have never considered before, which is eternal life. Do you remember what Jesus said when he talked to Martha in John chapter 11, verse 25? He said, whosoever believes in me, even though he dies, he will live again. Then he says in that 26th verse, whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. We're, we're making this transition, and this is why I want you to renew your mind to understand that subjectively, you enter into eternal life when you awaken to who you've always been. You're moving from verse 25, which has plenty of room for healing and raising the dead, he that believes in me, though he may die, yet he will live. To verse 26, he who lives and believes in me will never die. Subjectively, subjectively, you're entering into that right now. Subjectively, you're beginning to grasp that and understand that you're walking into something that you've never walked into before. Now, objectively, the fact is this, that you were equipped with eternal life at the resurrection. You were born from death to life with Jesus at the resurrection. You were co-crucified, co-resurrected, and that's the objective truth. Now that objective truth has always been there. The Christ has always been in there. That resurrection power has always been in there. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has always been resident within us, but we didn't know it. Now we're beginning to discover it. So let's, let's renew our minds to this that we're awakening. We're subjectively beginning to see what belongs to us, what is part of the gospel, the finished work of the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he annihilated death. So now we're beginning to awaken to what he objectively accomplished at the cross, just like he did your reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. Done deal at the cross. Now, subjectively, you've awakened that. You thought you had to pray the magic prayer. You thought you had to tithe, go to church, go to discipleship class to seal the deal. No, now you find out that he was in Christ. So now you're subjectively experiencing what was objectively accomplished. So let's renew our mind to number two. Number two, death is not your friend. No way, shape, or form anything that has to do with death, which means sickness, disease, car accidents. It, death is not your friend. It's your enemy. There is no death in the Father. Anything that's not in the Father is not working for you. See, death, 
Death is totally contrary to Zoe. You cannot have death and Zoe inhabiting the same, the same thing. Perfect love casts out fear. That's an enemy. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, and every enemy that's going to lead up to that last enemy must also be destroyed. One of them is fear. Perfect love casts it out. There's, there's no death in the Father. If there's no death in the Father, and His Spirit resides within you, then guess what? There's no death in you either, unless you submit to it. Father never uses death to accomplish His purpose. There is not one illustration that I know of, and you can correct me if, you wrong, if, if I'm wrong, wouldn't be the first time, but the Father never has used death to accomplish His purpose. He uses life to accomplish His purpose. So what we need to do today is to renew our mind that subjectively we're walking into a new dimension. See, we're, we're being equipped to live in two dimensions at one time like Jesus did. Jesus could move back between spirit and natural, between spirit and natural. And he's, he's maturing us to where we're going to be able to walk in the same way. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The merging of two realms. The merging of two realms begins within you. And once the merging of two realms begins within you, you're going to begin to walk in some dimensions that you never walked in before. So let's, let's stop postponing the promises of God until one glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Isn't that what we've kind of learned to do? Let's fully position ourselves to possess now what He has freely given to us objectively Let's determine that subjectively we're going to begin to experience it. Now, there's been a lot of emphasis on the manifested sons of God and the manifested daughters of God. Back in the 50s, it was a, it was a very hot topic. Problem back in the 40s and the 50s with the latter rain, the manifested sons of God, some of you that know history and understand what I'm talking about, they did not have the foundation that you have. They, had, they did not have the grasp on grace, and the finished work and mercy that endures forever, unconditional love. They, they, didn't, they didn't have a, a grasp on no eternal conscious torment like we do. So we've got an entirely different foundation that we're working off of today. And there has been a lot of conversation, Romans 8, 19, how many times have we read it? All creation groans and travails waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, the, I, wanna, I wanna read on that's in Romans 8, 19. But I want to read verses um, 20 through 23 because there's an added part to that that the sons of God, it fits in with what Paul's teaching us. All right, Let, let's pick it up in verse 20. You know, you know what verse 19 says. Let me, just, let me just read verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation earnestly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All right, now let me pick it up in verse 20 down to 24. And I want you to see what I hinted at earlier in, in the teaching when I first started out. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also, the creation, all of creation, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. All of creation, mankind included. Verse 23, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Your dog Fido doesn't have the first fruits of the Spirit. You do. First fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our bodies. The redemption of our bodies. Now listen, this is going to shake your world. This is going to blow up your theology. This, is, this, this may well re revamp somewhat your belief system. It's, it's very clear what the revealing of sonship is to be, right? It's the, first of all, it's the release of creation from decay. It's the re release of creation from the corruption that it faces. But the point that he gives us in that, in that 23rd verse is the redemption of our bodies. Now that word redemption is a real interesting word. 
It, what it literally means, and you can check it in your concordance, it means the emancipation, the release, the freedom, see, from the things that have, that have held our body in subjection. And we're looking for <clears throat> that full redemption of our bodies, the release into freedom, which means when, you're, when your body's emancipated, the thing that has held it down is, is sickness, disease, and ultimately death. When your body is released from that, when, body, when our bodies are free from that, it'll be free from death and there'll be a total restoration of life. That's the life that was found in Jesus. Now here I'm gonna, one of the times I'm only gonna use a verse or two that Paul didn't use just to, just to cement this thing in. John chapter five, verse 39. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life. You don't get eternal life out of the scriptures. No matter how hard you study it, you ain't going to get it out of there. <clears throat> Look, he goes on to say this. These are they which testify of me. The only reason we use this is to point to Jesus. Once this points to Jesus, then the spirit of truth and revelation deep dives us into revelation. Spirit of truth comes and takes us into revelation. This should point to Jesus. And then the spirit of truth points to Jesus and begins to reveal to us exactly what he would say to us. So what, what, what is it that he's gonna to say to us? In, in uh, uh, let, let, me just, let me just finish up with this. In John chapter five, verse 40. John chapter five, and verse let me read the whole thing again. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have Zoe. Where do we tap into this eternal life? Where do we hit it? It's in Jesus. Jesus and the life that he gives to us, listen to me very carefully. Jesus and the life that he gives us is the seamless passage into eternal life that knows no death. That knows no death. What if you never experienced death? What if, what, what if you just walked from the kitchen into the living room? What, what if that's all it was? See, we're, we're going to have to shift our beliefs. We're going to have to come into alignment with what resurrection life actually gives us. What acts, what revelation, what resurrection life actually imparts to us. Paul was the guy that really broke through on this. And I appreciate Paul's rights. That's why I wanted to take a whole morning and just examine what Paul had to say about immortality and about the inheritance that we have that actually brings us to an eradication of death. Now, I, I don't think that we've allowed the spirit of truth to show us how much Paul held the truth of immortality, right? It's, 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 I understand it seems impossible. And I know that as I sit here teaching this, I, I can feel some of you are going, man, I don't, I don't get this. I don't understand this. You don't have to understand it. What I want you to do is to see it. I want you to see it and then just begin to embrace it and say, you know what? There's something there. There's some validity. There's some truth there. It is part of the gospel. Remember what Paul, Paul taught? And I'm going to read this one last time. I think I've read this every, every, uh, every teaching that I've done. And I'm trying to submit this thing into you that this is the gospel. This is the part of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 says this. He has, it has now been revealed of, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Let me, let me back it up to verse 9. I really should read verse 9 to give us context. It says that he has saved us. Past tense. He has saved us and called us, not according to our works. Aren't you glad of that? Man, when I read this in Scripture, it just makes me want to do a happy dance. Not according to our works. God works so hard. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us, deposited in us before time began. 
Verse 10, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. Now, if he has abolished death, why do we give it such a preeminent position? Why don't we make a mental adjustment, renew our minds? Death is not our friend. Death is not our portion. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality, which means decay, no decay, no corruption. He's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I've lived a lot of years. I lived a lot of years in church as mo most of you did. I never heard one person ever teach that immortality was part of the gospel. And yet there he just said it in so many words. I think Paul both taught it and I think Paul demonstrated it. Over in Acts chapter 14, verse 19, here's how he demonstrated it. This happened. Now remember, Paul was a, was a regular guy. I mean, Paul had flesh and blood. He was like you, right? Exactly like you. So when, when he experienced things, it's exactly like you experiencing things. Acts chapter 14. I'm still getting used to my new Bible here. Acts chapter 14. And I want you to see Paul actually experiencing what he's talking about. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. Let's start there. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. All right? This is a serious event, man. When you get stoned and they dragged him out of the city, didn't want him even in the city. They stoned him evidently inside the city and supposing him to be dead, they dragged him outside of the city. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, I want you to notice something here. It doesn't say specifically that he was dead. I'll, I'll grant you that. It doesn't say specifically. But the point it does make, it says this. They supposed that he was dead. Listen, stoning, stoning was a sure death sentence. Now, that word, that word supposing is, is in the Greek, it's the word namidzo. Namidzo. And it means to deem, uh, to deemeth or to think, or to hold by custom. So they deemed that he was dead. They thought he was dead. They did everything by custom to make sure that he was dead. And they supposed he was. They dragged him out of the city. They didn't want his, they didn't want his body rotting within the city, so they dragged him out. He's dead. The disciples gathered around him. I don't know what they did, if they prayed or what. I don't know what they did, but the point is Paul got back up. Now listen, there's even more of a miracle than this. Next day, he left the city. Can you imagine the bones that must have been broken in Paul's body when they stoned him? Can you imagine the bruises, the, 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 the physical thing that he went through by being stoned? Those doing the stoning thought he was dead. They, they left him for dead. He gets back up, walks back into town. Now, consider for just a minute that these verses, and I'm going to say it again, these verses describe a literal experience that Paul endured. Paul not only taught immortality, I believe that he experienced it. Now, outwardly he was perishing. I mean, it's tough on the flesh when you go through all that Paul went through. Do you, do you remember all that Paul said he went through? Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me, let me just read some of this. And I, I want you to see what Paul actually went through. And he, he made up his mind. He, he, this one going to kill him, right? No man could take Paul's life from him. I believe he was standing on that. I believe he was walking in what Jesus said. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. I can pick it up. He just picked it up in Acts chapter 14. Now watch what he happens in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me read down verses 23 through 28. Paul said, are they ministers of Christ? He said, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors and abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths, plural, often. 
from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Just one of those should have killed him. He went through it five times. Beaten with rods, stoned three times. He, not, not only in Acts 14, the man was stoned three times. Do you think this might have an effect on his physical body? Yes. I've, I've, I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea. And this man went through a lot of perils. In weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, beside the other things. What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So not only was Paul experiencing all this onslaught from outside, there was an emotional strain that he was also undergoing with the care with all of the churches. Listen, this takes a toll on the outward man. This is how people burn out. I mean, can you imagine going through what Paul went through? But it's, but it's not the outward man that this life of immortality, this resurrection life, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, we believe that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, dwells in us, dwells in us, it's going to quicken us on the outside. It's going to quicken our mortal bodies. It's going to have an effect. It's going to make the mortal immortal. It's, it, the life doesn't come from outside. The things that we're talking about does not come from outside. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the outward man, you know, you might start getting a little bit of gray hair. You might, you might, might start uh, having a little bit of saggy skin, whatever. But the, it, but the life, the life we're talking about comes from the inward man. So this, through this entire process, Paul probably had scars. I'm sure that he did. In fact, he said, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. That's Galatians 6, 17, 18, right in there, 6th chapter of Galatians, Paul fully recognized that he still had a lot to learn, that he still had room to grow in this message, even though he was able to walk it out on that level. And that's why I'm introducing it to you. At some point, we're going to have to begin to say, you know what, we, we're here to begin to walk this message out. We might not see the full manifestation of it. We might be like, Paul, still some room to go in this. But I see the truth of it. I see the plan of God in this. I see the redemption of creation. I see the redemption of my body. I see the emancipation, the freedom from sickness and disease. See, we've, we've learned a lot about healing. Healing has been the creme de la creme of ministry. But what if there was something better than that? What if there was something that yielded greater results? Would you be open to it? Would you be open to it? Paul said, I, I haven't totally arrived on this yet. In, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I might know him, become intimately acquainted with it. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain. I'm not there yet. But I, I, I'm going to arrive. Let, let me just take that word attain out. And let's put, let's, how about this? Arrive at. That I may arrive to the resurrection from the dead. It, in its fullness. It's absolute fullness. So the, the, the context of that passage, those two verses, is literally dying, being buried, resurrection life, and then raised both physically to show exactly how Jesus lived and receiving all that he had deposited into us as he has with all men. Now, notice Paul said, I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to attain it, grasp it, get a hold of it. I've not arrived at the full reality. And there's nothing wrong with, with saying that. There's nothing wrong with look, saying, look, we haven't arrived at the full reality of it. But because we haven't arrived at the full reality of it doesn't mean that we should just poo-poo it, dismiss it, and shove it out of our life. 
I'm telling you, there's some great things that we can attain. This wave that has come across the earth with grace and finished work has been wonderful. But let me tell you again, it's just the opening act. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, my friends, digital cathedral people. The best is yet to come. Living post-death, living as an immortal one. That's, that's living... What we're talking about, and I'm getting down into this now, what we're talking about is living with the same body that Jesus lived in and lives, still lives in today. That's the target. That's the target. Jesus walked on water. Jesus was, could teleport from one place to another. See, he wasn't restricted by, by flesh restrictions. When we come into this dimension, this realm, and we've got to get there, we've got to get there. And, and I may not get there, but my grandkids, my great-grandkids, and I want them to look back and say, Great-Grandpa Keith Lee talked about this, and now we're able to, now we're, we're functioning in it. We're, this is no more difficult to function in than pure grace when you leave behind the works and you begin to walk on another level in your spiritual understanding. All right, look, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's what Paul said. Oh boy, we're sure unwinding some stuff. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 15 and almost there. Hold on, there's 16. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51. I'm going to read down through verse 54. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. All right, here's what Paul said. Let me pick it up in verse 51. He said, behold, I tell you a mystery. All right, here's a mystery. This is what we're unwinding a mystery. Behold, I tell you, mister, we shall not all sleep. That means die. He's talking about death here. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. All right? How, how's this going to happen? Watch. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Now, trumpet, he's not talking about, uh, you know, putting a horn to your mouth and blowing. A trumpet is, is a... I think is metaphorical for a declaration. The last declaration, there's gonna be a, a last declaration on this. For the de declaration will sound and the dead, he's not talking about people in the grave, I don't believe, he's talking about people that are blind, that are spiritually blind, that haven't been awakened, that ha aren't seeing, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. In other words, the dead are gonna get this. They're gonna see it. All of a sudden it's gonna be illuminated. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. That's got to happen. Paul says, this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. He's talking about putting on like you do a jacket or a coat. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an assuming. It's, it, it starts with a consciousness. It starts with an embrace. And it moves to believing. And finally, we begin to actually experience it. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now let me just, let me just leave it right there. So let me, let me just tell you again, this, I, I've heard this talk so many times about the second coming or the rapture. Paul's not talking about something that's going to happen thousands of years later. He's saying, look, this needs to become a present reality. This is a mystery. This is a mysterion, I think it's the Greek word, but he said we're discovering it as we have other mysteries that have been hidden from generations, but now all of a sudden we're beginning to see the mystery. Do you remember one point Paul said, I forget the past and I'm pushing toward the prize that the Father has already called and given to me? I'm pushing toward that. That's part of the prize. First, you want to get encouraged, man. Meditate on 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54, and don't put it in the context of a rapture or second coming. There ain't no such animal. No such animal gonna happen. Psalm 115 says the heavens belong to God, the earth he's given to man. We're seeing the merging of two dimensions. It's just beginning to break. It's just beginning to come into our consciousness that his kingdom is within me, and it has come, and his will will be done in earth, this earth right here, first, even as it is in heaven. 
So he's going to put the heaven that is within you, the kingdom that is within you, you're going to learn to live out of that resource in the world that you walk around in. So you're going to function in two, in two worlds, two dimensions. And you might as well get used to it because that's how it's going to be eternally. If we will but read Paul's letters with an open heart, with an open mind, especially Romans and Galatians, and I'd say Hebrews, you can't help but see the case he lays out for the absolute defeat, the annihilation of death. Paul's the one that says Jesus totally defeated death, made a show of it, paraded it around for all to see that it was totally, totally eradicated. If that's the case, then why are we still playing around with this thing? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly why we are. Because it's what we've been taught. We've been drilled. Nobody's ever talked to us about the potential of the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead actually expressing itself out of us. Nobody's talked about that. Nobody's taught that. Never heard it before. So it's foreign. We don't know how to handle it. It seems awkward. It seems impossible. And yet, Paul, when you read Galatians, Romans, and Hebrews, you find that it's not. Remember, Paul didn't get what he got from school. He didn't get, for, he didn't get it from a teacher. What Paul teaches in his gospel, in his epistles, he got directly revelation from Jesus. It's not theological theory. It's not a fancy doctrine. He got it straight from Jesus who is living out immortality and is demonstrating the life as our prototype that we can live also. That's what I think Paul was taking and saying, hey guys, here it is. Here's how we can live it. This is what we can expect. This is what's in front of us. The best is yet to come. Remember, Jesus came to fully demonstrate who we are. He came for two reasons. Number one, to show us the Father, to dispel all the myths that the Old Testament laid down about God that were totally inaccurate. And second of all, he came to show us who we are as a new creation. This, we're just starting to dive into this. We're just starting to peel back some of the layers of the onion. And don't get nervous about it. Relax, rest in it. Like I tell you, let it crock pot, just let it cook. Spirit of truth will begin to open your eyes and he'll begin to show you things. And I, let me say this, I'm not telling you I got it all figured out, I'm all right about it. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing and what I think Paul is saying to us. Last week you we looked at what Jesus said, this week we're looking at what Paul said, and this will finish it up. Then we're gonna move on, but we may come back well and visit this. Jesus came to show us, Jesus came to show us who we are and how we can live. Let's not limit that. Let's, let's not downgrade what Jesus came to fully accomplish by showing us what the prototype son, how he is to manifest. Right? When I look at Paul's writing, one of, my, one of my favorite scriptures, and I used to take it from strictly a spiritual context, but it's not, but it's not. Romans chapter eight, and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now watch this second verse. This second verse, I mean, this sums it. Watch verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, the law, the law of the Spirit of life, this thing is absolute, it's unbendable. This is a law. The law of Spirit of life, of, of the Spirit of life, the Zoe, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you, do you absolutely, do you believe that? Do you believe that the law of life, now this is not talking about going to heaven. Let's, let's get that out of our minds. Eternal life subjectively should be entered into right now. And I'm awakening you to the fact you ain't going to die. Now, the determining thing is, are you willing to begin to renew your mind to the fact that no man can take your life? Diseases can't take your life. 
Heart attack does not need to take your life. Cancer does not need to take your life. You don't need to become worn out emotionally and physically until you can't hardly move and you just lay up in a bed somewhere till they give you a morphine drip and you drift off into, into heaven. Now, now, you have the power to lay it down. You have the power to pick it up. And there are some of you that I'm ministering to this morning. I feel such an anointing on what I'm about to tell you. Some of you that right now need to say, I'm, I determined to pick it back up again. Something's got a hold of me that's got me down, that's trying to put me in the grave. And right now, I'm, I exercise the power to pick it back up again in Jesus' name. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't, you know, don't, don't, don't start this when you're on your deathbed. How you begin to renew your mind and develop it is right now, man, when you're feeling, feeling good, when you're full of vitality, full of life, that's the time that you grasp onto this stuff. Sin with the death consequence has been laid to rest. It has been put away from us. That's the actual truth. But instead of living resurrection life, we continually, and I hope we can break this chain, we continually give the preeminence to death. I think one of the, one of the teachings, I said the only thing we believed was for sure was death and taxes. I'd just soon see both of them out the window, wouldn't you? We feel like there's no escape from its clutches, like everybody's going to die at some point. Who told you that? Who told you that? Listen to me. I'm going to start, I'm going to start, pulling his train into the station. If Jesus defeated death, if you believe, you know, you, your book tells us that. He totally defeated death and told us he came to give us life. If you absolutely believe that he defeated death and came to give us life, and if we came out of the tomb with him, if you believe in co-resurrection, that we were born from death to life with him, then we have to begin to give it a place in our renewed minds. We have to at least begin to, to consider it. And I'm telling you to go out and, you know, you have to manifest it right away. But I am telling you, we need to begin to consider this. This all comes down to what we've heard for years. And that is we're living below our position as sons. We even heard that back in Word of Faith days, charismatic days. We're living below our position as sons. The problem is when they begin to hear what we are as sons, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. We, we, we're chipping away at it. We're not all we can be. We have to say with Paul, I haven't, I haven't arrived yet. We're chipping away. We've got the grace in our, our understanding. We've got the unconditional love. We're not trying to fight and by conditions and earn it. We're not into any of that. We understand his mercy is new every morning. Uh, we're no man. Uh, we're not after the flesh anymore. We don't know people after the flesh. We don't know us after the flesh. And that opens us up. That opens us up to the quantum leap that I've been talking about now for five, five weeks of the one who lives in us, the one that we believe in, and the one who makes residence in us, who never dies. And that that same spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. I've come to the conclusion that Paul knew a whole lot more about immortality than anybody else. And he, he was doing his best. He was doing his best just to put it out there, just to begin to break into the barrier. And so now in 2023, I believe there's a light beginning to shine. I'm beginning to hear a little bit of it here, a little bit here of it there. And um, people, it's resonating with people. I'll tell you that, it's resonating with people. Uh, I've done a couple of teachings on it. I did a teaching at Journey One. I did a teaching in Grand Rapids um, in Michigan. I think the first one I ever did was in Grand Rapids, Michigan with uh, Brother Terry and Carol up there, Heiss. And then I did it at Journey, and I, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, this. So it's just start, and I'm hearing it from some other places. The important, the important part is this. This includes us. I'm not talking about just an elite people that get this. Stay tuned. Keep your ear open. Let the Spirit begin to teach you and show you truth in this area, because I, I, I believe its time has come. No man, no sickness, no disease, no power can take your life. Look in the mirror tomorrow and say that. 
No man, no sickness, no disease takes my life. I have the power to lay it down. When my course is finished, when I've run the race, I have no more to say. And that's where, then, then you won't see Don Keithley behind this camera anymore. When I got nothing more to say, I can tell you I'm not even near done. I got a birthday coming up, but I'm not even near done. I'm still rolling, brother. And I'm telling you, I'm not, when, when an old man shows up in the morning, I don't give him entrance. I'm not listening to that. No disease, no, no man, no power can take your life because of the resurrection power that resides within you. That's good news. That is good news, brother. And it's part of the gospel. I want you to see that as much of the gospel as the forgiveness of your sins or reconciliation or all the other things that you've learned over the last few years. I want you to see this as part of that parcel and it belongs to you. So lay hold of it. Amen. All right. I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, we're going to make a transition and a shift next week. I want to talk to you a little bit about some things that I see coming down the road for the body of Christ and for you in particular. So be with me next Sunday morning at the Digital Cathedral, Wednesday night, secret place, 6 p.m. Central on the Don Keithley Ministry page. If you're not on that page, come on over and join and we'll get you all hooked up. See you next time. God bless you. And thank you for your prayers and your support. You're important to me and I appreciate all that you do. God bless. If this teaching resonates with you and you would like to partner with us in our expanding efforts to take this message of grace and union around the world, you may make a donation at donkeithley.com. We thank you for your continued support and encouragement.